0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the League of Evil Moms. (laughs) That is my best evil laugh, and I am your host, Nobukosi Mafu. And on this show, I hope we can create a supportive community of African moms raising their children in the Western diaspora. We're going to talk about what it's like to raise these brown-skinned babies outside of the motherland, far away from the families and the cultures and the communities and the food that informed who we are today and how we show up in the world. We're raising our kids far, far, far away from the many values and traditions that still play an important role in our lives today. And it's hard. So this podcast is for, first and foremost, my African mamas. I love you. I am you. It's for y'all. But it's also for anyone with children, anyone who loves children, anyone who knows of children, anyone who's ever seen a children or even knows how to spell the word children. In fact, the only people for whom this podcast is not (laughs) is children sorry little friends and this is a good time for me to mention that there are going to be curse words in this podcast after all it is a league of evil moms so yeah you're gonna hear the occasional fuck. so fellow moms get comfortable grab yourself a fat glass of wine a pint of beer water whatever you want Get some whiskey if that's how you feel. Because I know sometimes these kids really be trying it with us. Get whatever you need. Get comfortable, mama. Because the league has assembled. Okay, the first thing we like to do here at the League of Evil Moms, the first order of business is... Give yourself a fucking break, okay? This segment is really about what I just said. Mama, give yourself a fucking break. I said what I said and I said it because I know, I know, I know that you moms out there are Too hard on yourselves. I know because I am too hard on myself. Okay? You give and you give and you give and you give. And when you have given all you have to give, you still sometimes go to bed thinking, ish, I should have given more. But no, mama, no. Give yourself a fucking break. You are doing a good job even when you feel like you're not okay? You're only human. A beautiful, powerful one at that. Your love and your energy nourish those around you. And it takes a lot out of you. So give yourself a fucking break, okay? Take some time out daily to remind yourself that even though not everything is going right, actually killing this shit okay so give yourself a fucking break okay back to the show we're back welcome again to the league of evil moms you guys I cannot tell you how excited I am to finally get this project off the ground and out into the world to share with all of you it's been many many years in the making so again welcome and even more than the welcome is the thank you thank you for lending me your ears for the next little while thank you for your support it really it really means a lot to me and who's me anyway who who am I who is me well I'm glad you asked my name is Noble and I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, yes, the very same Zimbabwe, that Robert Mkodoi, Zimbabwe, yes. That is my home country. I am the oldest of two daughters born to my parents, Trina Norm. Um, my father was killed, unfortunately, in a car accident when I was just eight and my little sister, no, well, she was just four. Um, and then when I was 17, my mom and my little sister and I, we all moved to Canada and this is where we all still live today. I also go by the name Birthgiver. Yes, my son Owami actually calls me that sometimes. <laughs> and I am a mining engineer by day. But what fills my heart? What makes me happy? What makes my heart smile? things like art. I love art, making it, consuming it. I love outside. I am one of those hiking ass bitches. I will take you on a hike. If you ever come and visit me, we're probably going to be hiking. I also love cycling. I love climbing. And honestly, some of these things, it's not even really that I'm an outside, outside person. But Because of the nature of my work as a mining engineer, I've actually spent most of the last seven or eight years of my career living in very small, remote Canadian communities that didn't even have traffic lights, never mind a movie theater. Um, And so the way you keep your sanity is to go outside and do those hikes. (laughs) And I'm still here. I have not been eaten by a bear. So y'all, outside is actually pretty fun. Um, And I'm lucky that I like outside because I also live on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. It is a beautiful corner of the country. It's very, very green and lush, and that's because it's a rainforest. So it it gets hella rain. It, it rains so much here, but this is the place I call home. And it's been 16 years now uh, since the day I arrived in Canada, and I still remember that very first I set foot in this country. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was January. It was cold. It was dreary. It was raining. And I was also seven months pregnant. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a period of rapid transition and just immense change. Like my family, we went through a lot in that period. Um, And I I became a mom, like within two months, in less than two months in arriving in the country, I gave birth to my son. And, you know, you all know, oh, you all know listening how hard it is to be a mom. Now, just doing it at 17, though, it's, 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 I think, actually even scientifically proven that it might be like seven, it might be 17 million. I'm kidding about the scientific, but it, it is tremendously hard Becoming, it was tremendously hard, becoming a mother, a young mother in a whole new country. Balancing my own incomplete puberty with creating a whole nother person in my body, in a foreign country, in a very religious family. It was a lot, but Awami and I made it. But Owami and I made it. We made it this far with lots of support from what I like to call my village, my family. You know, the the people that helped with wisdom and guidance and resources and books. All those people that came together, that I gathered around me, um, helped me raise this beautiful, this wonderful son of mine, Owami. And so now it's like, OK, well, OK, I get I, I get what the podcast is about. But why? Why is it? Why Marawai is it called the League of Evil Moms? <laughs> and actually, it's a very cute story. Back in the day, when I was still at, U- at UBC, I was going to university and Owami was about knee high to a grasshopper. Why you know whenever he'd done something he wasn't supposed to do, when he, whenever he was just being naughty we would have i would talk to him can you tell me what why why i know you moms have had those conversations where you're like why did this child why so anyway after one such conversation with him out of nowhere i just said you know what I'm going to have to have a discussion with the League of Evil Moms to see what they think about this whole situation. And from that day, it just kind of stuck. Whenever I wasn't in the mood to be the bad guy, I would just simply say, look, hey, me, not me. As for me, I don't make the rules, okay? It's the league. The league. The league said you have to go to bed, okay? The league. They said you have to eat this broccoli and shepherd's pie. The league. The, it's not me, baby. It's not me. It's the league, okay? And that that's when the league was born. And, <laughs> of course, Oami eventually figured out that there was no such thing as the league. But it did make me wonder, like... What if there was a league of moms with similar cultural backgrounds as me who could help me navigate this ever-changing waters of raising a brown-skinned child in a white-dominated culture? You know, a group of women, I could tell that, you know, my son came home from school today and asked why he doesn't have straight hair. And my son came home today and he said, why can't his name be Ryan instead of Owami? Obviously, there's nothing wrong innately. There's nothing innately wrong with the name Ryan. It's a pretty name, sure. But... What he was, you know, we understand, and this is another thing, I'm not even going to explain it right now because I know that you moms listening right now, you know exactly what is loaded in that question. And when that question happens in the moment, you have to try and think, Uguti, how do I answer this without putting any kind of weird ideas in my son's head? How do I uplift him Levi Zolake and his name without necessarily putting down the names like Ryan you know so this is this is kind of what like I was going through through throughout my years raising Owami, especially when we were still living in Vancouver which is a very very white place so I started to wonder, like, what if, what if I had this league of women and we could just talk about this stuff and I wouldn't have to explain it and they would get it. And, you know, a league is just a collection of entities that come together for a particular purpose, typically for mutual protection or cooperation. You know, that's what a league is. And so for me, I just think, well, I don't think there's ever been a better reason for me to join a league Really, you know, to help and be helped by other African mothers all over the world to ensure that our beautiful brown skinned babies more than survive out here, okay? I need these babies to motherfucking thrive, okay? Now, fast forward to today, Owami is now 16 years old, and he's actually one of the producers of this show. <laughs> I'm saying it like there's a team of producers. No, it's literally just me and him. We are the producers of this show. <laughs> but, you know, Owami, he's grown, he's 16, and I'm probably a little bit a little bit biased when I say this, but... Omi's a wonderful son. He's a wonderful nephew. He's a kind cousin. He's a patient grandson. He's respectful. He has a wicked sense of humor. He's responsible. He's hardworking. He's caring. He's resilient. He's cheerful. He's handsome. Honestly, I feel sorry for you if you have a daughter born circa 2006. I really really do. But (laughs) fast forward to today. My baby, Owami, is now 16 years old, you guys. He has a class 5 driver's license. He's texting me every day. Mommy, when are you buying me a car? <laughs> Yo, I'm tired. But <laughs> these kids, they, they they make you so proud, but they stress you out. Goddamn. But Owami is 16 years old now and is one of my top three favorite human beings just because, just because, just because of who he is Um, and he's also the inspiration behind this show. He's a really wonderful boy and to know Owami is to love him and I don't believe that it's by grace or luck or genetics, definitely not genetics, that Owami turned out to be the person he is today. And listen, if anybody, I'm shading myself the most when I say it's not genetics. <laughs> people who know me, people who know me will tell you that, ah, maybe the only thing these two people have in common is their good looks and their sense of humor. Everything else, the mother, that side, she's a firecracker. The son, that side, he's a calm lake. <laughs> That's Awami and me. But... I really, looking back, you know, when I look back at my life with Awami, his childhood, my adolescence, it's in fact... You know, I, I believe Owami is who he is today because of a very intentional approach I brought to his upbringing. Because I had Owami so young, I was still a child. I still had very easy and crisp access to my own childhood. And I could remember quite clearly the culture I had grown up with and the values that had been instilled in me. And that brings me to the title of this first ever episode of The League of Evil Moms, The Assignment. So, The Assignment. Before we get there, I would be willing to bet my first and only born son that you were not listening to this podcast right now have either said or heard somebody say in their childhood or your childhood or their adolescence, heard them say, I would never do that to my child. I know I certainly have those moments in my history um, where, you know, things that happened to me or that I saw happen to my cousins or that, you know, that it happened to somebody at school where, where you would just go, Mm-mm, Mina, I would never do that to my child. We all have those. And I realized as I was, as I was a young mother, I realized that I was pulling from those moments in my history to create a sort of manual and anti-manual of the kind of mother that I wanted to be, the kind of childhood I wanted to give my son. You know, there were things Um, that the people who raised me told me over and over again, or that they did over and over again, that made me a better person, that made me a good person. And those were the things that I wanted to keep and incorporate into my own manual of motherhood. But then there were also other things that were done and said to me, you know, that were just mean, just mean, unproductive, and sometimes just straight up cruel, harmful, wrong. And you know, those are the things that I took, and I put them in my anti-manual of motherhood, where I said, I mean, not as for me and my son, we will, we will not employ these tactics. And so at a very young age, I I determined that I would do my level best to limit the amount of damage that I would, you know, inflict on this child just by virtue. You know, any two human beings that are in any kind of relation to one another, they're going to hurt each other, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But for me, I had this resolution that I would not inflict any Unnecessary pain or any avoidable pain on Owami as as I raised him, and these are the things that that I pulled into to into this manual I was building for how to raise Owami, and you know in preparation for becoming Owami's mom, I was you know seventeen. I'm in this foreign country. I would go to the library and read books uh, i 'm sure all you moms are probably aware of the book uh, what to expect when you 're expecting that 's one of the books I read. I would go and read internet articles on you know on the computer library, literally like how to be a Mom. I attended support groups for young moms. And there I was fortunate enough to get connected with so many wonderful women who pointed me to even more helpful resources. You know, I was so young that (laughs) when I think about it now, it's like, well, yeah, of course that makes sense. You're about to take on this big project. Yes, you should definitely study. But at 17, I was, for me, it was like, okay, this is like the biggest test I need to, I need to study. And, And that's that's exactly the approach I took. And what came out of it was there were certain things I would do with Umtuana, with the child, with Owami. The then my mom would be like, uh uh-uh. uh, Loka Gwenziwa, you know. And I'd be like, no, mom, actually, you know, I read in this article, Owuti, this, this, and this. Because we have to admit that in, from the time our parents raised us in our homelands, you know 20 30 40 years ago science has changed and what we understand about child, child rearing and and you know what's good for baby and what's not all of that changed and as i was learning how to be a mom i started to notice that there were divergences at some points that the, di, when i say divergences i'm saying divergence from what i knew and the culture that i knew and the popular culture which would have been the north american culture for me and the science that we found here which is universal universally applicable obviously because it's science but you know those two different culture and co- cultural contexts will inform a mother very differently on the same uh topics so My point is, I never stopped seeking knowledge. Um, I never stopped reading. I, I never stopped asking questions. And this was all in my efforts to make sure that I could give Owami the same happy and comfortable childhood that I had had in Wulawayo growing up. I never stopped you know, learning. Even today, I'll Google an article, hey, how to talk about sex with my 16 year old son. That is also going to be an upcoming episode. But my point is we never stop learning how to parent. And from all this knowledge that I was exposed to, I had the benefit of picking those things that felt right for me and my child and, discarding those things, which I didn't think were useful. I experimented with different techniques and I threw away the ones that didn't fit well for us. I spoke to other mothers to gain different perspectives. And I also shared my own with them. And now when I look back at this 16 year, more than 16 years actually, because yeah, more than 16 years, when I look back, I realized that that young me, that young Nobu, was building a framework that she felt would give her child the best shot at this lifetime. And that framework, mind you, has evolved as I myself have evolved. As I have gotten a better understanding of that world, I've often come back to the framework to tweak it, to to change things here, to dial certain things up, to dial certain things down. Because that's the nature of learning. Learning is not a static thing. It's like the, the act of learning is like an organism. It just, it, it doesn't stop growing. And honestly, the moment you stop learning is the moment you start dying, really. Um, but yeah, I was building this framework and I wanted this framework to be one that would ground him and instill in him his right to be on this planet, his right to take up space no matter where he is. I wanted Owami to have an upbringing that always reminded him of his innate value in a world that would tell him that as a brown-skinned boy, he's a threat, he's not to be trusted. This is a society that will pass so many unfair judgments on him only because of the melanin in his beautiful brown skin. Y'all, if O. Beyonce's blue ivy is not immune, is not, you know, cannot be protected from the malice that... Is just out there in the world for our children for no other reason than that they look the way they do. If Beyonce's Blue Ivy, hey, what more? What more, my little Owami? What more, your little Tabani? What more, your little Kudzaise? You know, y'all, Yo, it's real. Like, this is stuff, it's real. I don't even need to explain it to y'all. It's real. But my point is, I wanted Owami's upbringing to etch in his DNA that he can do and become anything, anything that he wants to be. So on the first ever episode, I'd like to take a closer look at the state of African motherhood in the Western diaspora. What it is, like literally, what is the point? What is the goal of parenting other than to keep our broke best friends alive what is the assignment the assignment what is the assignment as a mother when you show up on day one of motherhood hey welcome here's your baby now what what's the assignment well this is my take on what the assignment is. This is the take from my experience, because I firmly believe that understanding what the assignment is, is integral to how we as African mothers in the diaspora raise and mold our little ones. We want the best for them. We all want the best for them. That's not in question. The tricky part is how, how do you do it? And now, because you are here as a member of the league, we don't need to figure this out on our own in silos and isolation and through needless trial and error. No, sisters, no, we can do it together. Um, We can do it together because I'll tell you what, I'm tired of doing it by myself. Not that I'm doing it by myself, but you know what I mean? Um... We can do it together. So that's really what, that's what this podcast is going to do. And then motherhood. For me, honestly, I firmly believe and you can fight me on this if you want. (laughs) Please don't. I don't know how to fight. (laughs) Motherhood is what you make out of it. Okay. You, you were not the birth giver. You, it's what you make it. It's what feels right to you. And I don't believe anyone should be telling you what your motherhood should look like. Motherhood is a personal journey on which you're accompanied by your village. You are accompanied by your village. Your village is not leading you. No. Your village is not determining the destination for you. No. The village is not holding the compass for you. No. The village is not the one that The pace at which you should travel, nor the route you should take. No. Of course, we want the village to help. We want them to offer counsel. We want them to offer support. We also want them to respect our motherhood. Because at the end of the day, it's you, it's where now it's you holding the compass. It's you who are who is in charge of this expedition. Okay. And then there's the the assignment, okay? And this is what the assignment is. As guardians, as mothers, as as keepers of these small people that we bring into the world, it's our responsibility to to support them in becoming kind, resourceful, resilient children. Resilient people, actually, because they're not always going to be children. So kind, resourceful and resilient people who have a really broad and holistic sense of what existential success is. What do I mean by that? Let me put it this way. Like, what if we taught our children that there's more to success than, you know, just getting a lot of money and having, you know, all the Air Jordans and being an Elon Musk and owning Tesla and winning accolades and the esteem of our peers. What if we taught our children that, no, honey, there's actually more to success than that? You know, what if we as parents, as mothers, internalize the notion that the success of any individual should also be a measure of their net impact? on the world and people immediately around them too right like what does it mean if let's say you become the wealthiest man on the planet but you're also like truly a vile person and i'm not even talking about elon musk or whoever is the is the you know wealthiest person but we have to admit that you know to become that wealthy in the world that we live in it means you're doing some pretty shady shit that's just the black and white. That's, that's the up and down of it. That's the one plus two of it. But imagine if we all as a society had said, uh-uh, no, success has to incorporate, like, what kind of human being are you walking through the world? How do you affect the people around you? Do you make the world a better place? At the very least, do you, make, do you at least not make the world a worse place like if we reimagined what success is I think it would force us to reconsider a lot of the people who we today think are successful or regard generally as as successful and you know as mothers primarily in most cultures it's mothers who are the the child rearers, you know the the Language that the child speaks is usually the mother's language. And it's the mothers who pass down the values and the beliefs we hold down to our children. Whether those values and beliefs are good or bad. Many of those values that we pass down, they were given to us by our parents. And our parents were given to them by their parents. And and on and on and on and on all the way back to whatever version of Adam and Eve you believe in. And similarly, the children we're raising today, eventually they're going to grow up and get the hell out of our houses. (laughs) And they're going to have children of their own. And many, if not all of the values that we teach them, they're going to be passed down to their children and their children are going to pass them down to their children and those children are going to pass them down to their children and on and on and on and on and on it goes. Pause. Take a step back on a global scale and think what do those values and beliefs end up becoming? And the answer is those values and beliefs literally shape the physical world around us. I'm going to say that again. The values and beliefs we instill in our children shape the physical world around us. That's crazy, you guys. It means that the values and beliefs we instill in our children mean more than the kind of people they become. It, they mean that those values continue to co-create on this planet to make the physical world that we live in and those values and those beliefs, they become ideas and ideas eventually create social constructs. So if you, if you've ever had, let's say a racial slur hurled at you, those are someone else's values and beliefs at play. Somebody raised that child who, and that child became an adult who felt like it was appropriate to hurl that racial slur at you. If you've ever been a victim of misogyny, those are someone else's values and beliefs at play. Someone taught their child, showed their child that women are less than, women are objects, women are to, whatever. Those are values and beliefs at play. And, you know, maybe you've even caught yourself thinking something or saying something that might have been acceptable in your home country or 20 years ago that you grew up just knowing but now because of where you are and because of the awareness that you now have you now realize that uh-uh that thing that I said or I was about to say or that thing that I thought is not right those are values and beliefs at play now those values those beliefs those ideas they then meander through our collective history as a, a human race. Like like a giant river of humanity that flows down through generations. Now pause again for a moment and, and, and just think, okay, so we're in this river of humanity. Is, this, is everything in this river good? Is it all helpful? No! Some, you know this world is (sighs) i mean you're here too you know what this world is like like there's so much needless pain and suffering in the world today and it all distills down to the values and beliefs that we have chosen to prioritize as a society and now because of the melanin in our skin, some of those values and beliefs, they're just straight up harmful to us physically, psychologically, emotionally, mentally. They're just harmful to us and our children. And this river of our collective humanity, it's kind of like, it's the the legacy that we're going to leave behind on this planet once we're dead and gone. If this river is full of pollution and gross and grimy shit, we have to ask ourselves as mothers, what was my contribution to this shit? You know, like, seriously, or Donald Trump's mother, wherever that bitch is. Like, what was her contribution to this river, right? The children in our care, the children in your care, They are your contribution to this river. So ask yourself, what kind of people will the children I will one day have to release into this wild world be? What kind of people are they? As African mothers raising our children in the diaspora, there's this whole nother additional section of our assignment because the world in which we are having to raise our children in is not one that is friendly to our children. This river that we are raising our children in would rather our children frankly drowned or that they only exist to be exploited. And mind you, we do this additional section of the assignment without any extra credit, without any extra help. And you know what? We don't even want extra credit. We just want people to get out of our ways, okay? Get out of our ways. Get out of our baby's ways. Stay out of our ways, okay? As African mothers, our, our assignment is so much more complicated. It's many times more difficult. It's more painful than those around us completing the exact same assignment. And for me, that's why I need the league, That's why I need a community of people that look just like me and understand the challenges that I and my child face because of our shared experience. The League will be a source of support, but it will also be a space to share the very specific type of joy we experience as mothers raising their children in the diaspora And share the knowledge that we've gained. And release the pain we each of us have experienced in our individual journeys. I need you guys. So come on, League of Evil Mamas. Let's do this. We're doing it. I want to thank you so much for sticking with me till the end of this episode. The very first episode, my very first podcast episode. I'm really excited to have gotten this far with you. And I hope you learned something. I hope you found something entertaining or interesting or got something got you to think about something. And I also hope that you will leave a review on this podcast. I hope you'll give me five stars. Give me all the stars, please and thank you, and share it with a friend. If you know somebody that you think might get a kick out of this, you know somebody that is going through the exact same thing, send this over to them. At the very least, they'll get to listen to my voice for 45 minutes and you could do a lot worse with 45 minutes. Okay, that's it, that's all from League Headquarters. My name is Nobuko Simafu, this has been the League of Evil Moms, and we are out.